0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined by Paul Tenorio. We will have a normal episode of Allocation Disorder on the way, but we have to start with some really unfortunate news that emerged on Thursday morning that Charlotte FC Defender 25-year-old Anton Walks passed away early on Thursday morning after a accident on the water in South Florida. Um, obviously, a, a real tragedy for Charlotte FC, for MLS, um, for everybody in American soccer. Uh, just just brutal news. Anton Walks, you know, there have been tributes kind of pouring out from some of his former teammates. Our colleague Felipe Cardenas talked about him on, on, on a podcast on this feed On Thursday as well, he covered him when Anton Walks was in Atlanta, uh, by all accounts, an all-around really stand-up guy. Um, You know, a a father, um, has a young family, uh, and gone far, far too soon. So we wanted to pay tribute to him and pay our respects to him before we dive in to anything else on this show. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam Stasekull. He is Paul Tenorio. Um, there's no non-awkward way to transition from the tragic news Manton Walk's passing into our regularly scheduled content. Um, so we're just going to do it awkwardly, I suppose. Major League Soccer and Liga MX uh, announced on Friday uh, at noon Eastern, right as this podcast was being released, that the League's Cup groups have been revealed um, we have some clarity on that tournament which of course is going to kick off in july running from july 21st and through august 19th the mls regular season will pause at that stage and we will move into the inaugural edition of this competition which of course will have 15 different groups 47 teams um paul it's, it's going to be kind of an unwieldy beast in some ways it should be pretty cool in some others Um, but we have an idea of of what it's going to look like uh, on the field now. We know know what games we're going to be seeing in the group stage. Um, We'll run them down in a moment here, but there are some geographic things in play. Um, There are also some geographic oddities. Uh, My favorite being Tijuana in the east. Uh, Tijuana, of course, is uh, just south of San Diego. Very much not on the Eastern part of the continent, but here we are. Um, so yeah, Paul, what do you make of this and, uh, and what, what kind of stands out to you?
2: I mean, I think, you know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of excited, I guess for some of these games, I'm less excited for others. I think that was always going to happen with, with leagues cup. That's the I nature think, of any, of any competition. I think. Yeah. And there are games that are going to be really cool and fun. And I think it's important for more competition to occur between league MX and, and MLS. Um, but yeah, until this, until these games start to happen, I think we're all kind of going to be a little bit curious as to how they're played out. You know, what kind of teams are fielded? Uh, obviously the, the team, the leagues are going into a pause, so you expect it to be the very best. And the hope is that the atmospheres are really good at these MLS stadiums. I'm most curious about the MLS on MLS games and just kind of what that will feel like. Um, but yeah, of course, anytime now we, we have games like, tigres against portland or monterey against seattle or you know you know even america against columbus crew like for me i i i am going to take something out of it i think it's an important measuring stick for the league i think it's hopefully something that can push the league forward especially if they don't perform well in the in the opening version of this tournament um but yeah i i also feel like it's going to be kind of a wait and see for me just to kind of get a vibe for like how, how seriously these teams take it, how real the competition feels in its first year and, and whether they can have that intensity that we experience with like the later rounds of CONCACAF Champions League.
1: I think, I think it will. I think it kind of has to. All right. And with that, let's just run down the groups, Paul. Back to front. Starting in the West, three groups out there. The first one, Tigres, Portland Timbers, San Jose Earthquakes. The seating for these are done by MLS Supporters Shield finish in the standings for 2022 season. So Portland is the number 14 seed San Jose, number 25. And then of course the geographic considerations are also taken into play. All of these games are going to be taking place in the United States and Canada and MLS stadiums. And then we'll be in Mexico um, West. Number two, Monterey, real salt Lake, Seattle Sounders. That to me is, I think a pretty interesting group West. Number three, LA galaxy, Leon and Vancouver white caps. We then have a central, a South and an East division. Paul, I don't know if you have them up, you want to go, you want to, you want to take central. So I'm not talking for 10 straight minutes here. We can alternate. We can go
2: back and forth. <laughs> sure. No problem. Central one is uh club America Columbus crew and the expansion St. Louis city SC that the number 28 seed for MLS central two is Puebla, Minnesota United and Chicago fire central three Chivas uh, FC Cincinnati and sporting Kansas city central four: Nashville, Toluca and Colorado rapids. Sam, I'm going to keep going and go to South. You can wrap it up in the East. Um, South 1, Austin FC, Mazatlan, and Juarez. Uh, South 2, Santos Laguna, Orlando City, Houston Dynamo. South 3, Cruz Azul, Inter Miami, and Atlanta United, which is a very interesting group, uh, just with Inter Miami and Atlanta United and Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Uh, South 4, FC Dallas, Necaxa, and Charlotte.
1: I kind of wish Dallas had a bigger, bigger club matchup, personally. Yeah um but houston santos laguna could be pretty cool uh, as could austin juarez although juarez isn't 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 an illegal mx titan for sure um but i imagine the atmosphere at that game will be cool as i think the most intriguing atmosphere for me is maybe st louis america america obviously travels everywhere they go a uh, huge 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 fan base and st louis the crowds there should be amazing in this expansion season. I don't know that the matchup on the field is going to be particularly good, but the one in the stands could be, could be real fun. Anyway,
2: in the East, I, I really quickly, I also want to yeah. say, I also wish that there was a, like a, a bigger club in the Chicago group. Cause I would have loved to see yeah. how many fans came out to soldier field for a game. And who knows if the fire will actually advance play a, play a midsize, not a small, not a yeah. small. I group. mean, we'll see, but like, imagine like if one of like the, like, I, I was at the Cruz Azul game here in Chicago and, and they had a decent crowd, but like I would, I would imagine yeah, that if it was you Chivas, know, it could have really packed yeah. out soldier field. It could, could have been kind of cool. All
1: right. In the East aforementioned Tijuana in, in a group with Philadelphia <laughs> and Queretaro, um, there, there aren't really good teams to put in the East division from Mexico, just it, generally speaking, but it's kind of funny to have a West coast team in this, uh, East two, Montreal Pumas and DC United. Um, a classic Montreal Pumas matchup. I believe they played in a a previous incarnation of CCL. Maybe, maybe I'm making that up, but either way, Montreal does have a long history against Mexican teams in that competition. East three, NYCFC, Atlas and Toronto FC, NYCFC, of course, having played Atlas in the Campeones cup just a few months ago. Um, And then the fourth and final group here, Red Bulls, San Luis and the new England revolution, LAFC and Pachuca getting buys they don't have to play in the group stage lafc as the mls cup champion pachuca as the uh, god the combined apertura clausura best champion most points from those two seasons they get a buy top two teams out of each of these groups will join them in the round of 32 and then single elimination all the way to the final um, with some ccl berths on the line for the top teams in this competition um, so yeah, I don't know this, this group stage, it's going to be funky, Paul. I think there's going to be some games that are, that are really cool. I think there's going to be some environments that are really cool. And then, you know, you're going to have things like, uh, Colorado Rapids against Toluca,
2: at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, which is probably not going to be on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing is like, there are going to be some games, like you said, that are worth watching, worth all of us tuning in with great atmospheres. And then there are going to be games that are going to feel flat, com- especially compared to some of those bigger games, you know, like. And it's even even stuff like FC Dallas against Charlotte, you know, like the MLS matchups, Nashville, Colorado, like they're just going to feel like kind of very normal mid-year games in I one mean, way, but they're not in the other, right? There's, there's stakes. Yeah. I mean, the question is like, is the financial motivation that that MLS, you know, has said is going to be there for players going to be enough? Is the are the Champions League spots going to be enough? Um, I hope so. I mean, the whole point of this is that. It's a chance to expand the MLS audience. Paul, I don't, I don't, sorry. And and to measure, and to measure progress, right? Like MLS knows that in order to be taken seriously as a league, you know, when they did a few years back, they, uh, more than a few years back now, when they went and hired BCG, one of the things BCG said to the league was, you know, you have to show that you're competitive in your, in your continent, at least you have to show that you're the best league around in, in North America, and and that is what put the emphasis on catching up to Liga MX, right? You can't measure yourself against the Premier League or La Liga or the Bundesliga unless you show that you can be competitive against Mexico. And they haven't been in the CONCACAF Champions League. Well, so they did just win it. Yeah, well but historically they haven't been, right? When you look yeah. at their record historically against against Mexico, it's not good. And you know, this is a chance to improve that. This is a chance to have regular competition and to reach an audience hopefully in the Liga MX audience, TV audience that start to tune into MLS games, that brings in more TV revenue, though now obviously MLS signed the long-term deal with Apple. Um, there are, there are, there's a reason to do this. And, and the, I think the biggest hope is that you can you can create a relevance for the league that didn't exist before um, simply by competing with, with the Mexican League. So I hope that these games feel the way I expect them to feel, especially once we're out of the group stage. I mean, like,
1: are, I, I, are, you, are you concerned that teams aren't going to take this seriously? I have zero concern about that. I,
2: I think MLS teams are going to take it seriously. I'm interested yeah, to see. Would, why would Liga MX teams not take it seriously? I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how it happens. I mean, we know that like in the first iteration of this, the Mexican teams took it more seriously than MLS teams, which is why they put this pause in the middle of the season, right? To force MLS teams to care. I just, I'm interested to see how these games feel and what the atmospheres are like. They're playing all of these games in MLS stadiums, right? Like that. For for me, some of the most exciting games we've seen in Champions League are MLS teams traveling down to Mexico and having to play in those environments. Yeah. And that's where they really struggle, by the way. And now they're all these games are going to be at home and they're going to be in MLS stadiums. What what is it going to feel like? Is the is the competitiveness going to be there in this in this um Leagues Cup that is clearly tilted to favor MLS, right? Like mm-hmm. there's way more MLS teams. All of the games are being played at home. You know, that I think is going to have an impact too on the Mexican teams. Like they know that they're going to be away from
1: home, like, like living away from home for up to a month, if they're in the, if they, if they make it all the way through in the competition. So structurally the advantages are with MLS. I think Paul, one thing that we haven't talked about when we've talked about the league's cup is that the top league MX teams have had a historic advantage on MLS teams. They spend more than MLS teams. I think generally speaking, you could say that they're higher quality than a lot of MLS teams. But the middle and bottom Liga MX teams, I don't think there is much of a gap, if any gap there. I think there's a a larger discrepancy between the top Liga MX teams and the bottom Liga MX teams than there is the top MLS teams and the bottom MLS teams. And so I'm curious to see how that plays out when you actually have some of these lower rung Mexican squads playing against MLS teams, which is something we haven't really seen before. So if yeah, you want to have sure. an actual like, true measurement of how the whole league stacks up against the whole league, this isn't a perfect way to do it because of the of the where of, of where the games are being played. Um, but it is kind of a more full assessment than CCL, which is just the top from League MX and not even necessarily the top from MLS, the top at one point from MLS. But right. the schedule but I, is weird for that tournament.
2: I mean, I think part of that, though, that'll be interesting to watch is like, puebla against chicago fire right like not like they're like a you know obviously the way these groups are structured it's not like the lowest ranked teams in mexico are against the lowest ranked teams in mls but how big is the gap there like what is the the difference between a a puebla and a chicago fire like those matchups that we don't see in champions league um not i I have i have no doubt that there's a that lafc is a stronger team than juarez or then you know the LAFC. Little, LAFC like,
1: last year. I mean, it w- it's hard to say because we haven't seen an MLS game this season. But 2022 LAFC could go toe to toe with anybody in the MX.
2: Right. So my, my my point being that like the the difference between the best MLS teams and the worst league MX teams, I think are, I think the advantages with MLS. I, I do wonder. I am curious, actually, probably to watch. I mean, I'm gonna probably watch as many of the Mexico MLS matchups as I can, but to watch some of these lower ranked. Mexican teams against mid to lower ranked MLS teams and yeah. to see how they compare like how how does the top to bottom of MLS compare to the top to bottom of Mexico and and you know will that be incentive to push these lower again these lower tier MLS teams that seem to function on this idea of being just good enough to make the playoffs and that's okay with them like will be will being in this competition create some sort of incentive for them to go a little bit harder for them to try to catch those, those top MLS teams. And, and, you know, again, will these matchups against mid to low level Mexican teams, if they're in their group, you know, provide some perspective on that, like Toluca, Colorado, you know, like I, I just, I'm interested to see how those, those games unfold.
1: Yeah. Well, either way, we don't know what's going to happen, but, but either way, it's a, it's kind of an introduction of a new force. Into this ecosystem, right? It's going to push some teams in one direction. It's going to pull them some others in a different direction. But there's going to be kind of a change of momentum here, for I think MLS teams, and and I think long term, it'll change how some approach kind of like you just said their general ideas of how to build a team, how to build a roster, how ambitious they want to be. And I think ultimately, that's probably a positive development for MLS. Um, and I think it's a fun thing. You know, I think I, I'm I'm pro this edition of Leagues Cup. I was very anti the previous edition of Leagues Cup. I thought that was contrived and kind of dumb. Um, but this format that they've come up with, uh, I'm into it. It's different. It's unique. But I'm okay with MLS being kind of a uh, a guinea pig in the laboratory of worldwide soccer and trying new things to try and gain a foothold. And I think this is one that has a lot of potential. So I'm excited to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, I'll be interested too to see what the TV ratings look like, um, because these these games will some of them be on I mean, Univision. Oh, you gotta
1: you gotta re, you gotta recalibrate, man. There are no TV ratings well, anymore. Well, there's
2: not for Apple, but these these yeah. League's Cup games they will be on they, Univision. That's so true. I'm I'm interested yes. to see not all of them, but some of them, a good chunk of them. That's like the one place Univision is still involved in American soccer is League's Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a big change, by the way, in, in the television structure of American soccer. MLS is on Apple now. Uh, U.S. national team is on Turner and Telemundo. Uh, they previously were on ESPN, Fox, and Univision. Obviously, MLS still on Fox in some games for the regular season, and then still on Univision for four leagues cup games. So, I, I do think that that matters in the context. And I thought it was really important for MLS to come to an agreement with Univision on these leagues cup games for that reason of capturing new audience, new new potential people to tune into this league. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to be interested in with the with the first iteration of this tournament and kind of what what happens? Like how does MLS come out looking? Are there any matchups that, that stand out to you in particular? Like like in what way? I mean there's definitely like I have anyway. so many different ways uh of game like i just said like i'm kind of interested in some of these like lesser lesser games like DC yeah United, no we, we know we know what you said we were listening but, any a, any, anything else anything yeah, else i mean i think tigris tigris timbers like i think that will be a really interesting game i i mentioned the columbus america game i i just think like guys like like uh cucho playing in these games always tend to entertain you know i yeah. feel like there's there's a chance for that to be a really good game um going back through You know, Santos against Orlando City. I think Oscar Preja is going to have his team ready to go. Uh, And then I really think every game in the South 3 group is going to be a lot of fun. Cruz Azul, Inter-Miami, Atlanta United. Like, for me, that group is the creme de la creme of these these, uh, groups, of all of the groups. That's probably my favorite. And actually, NYCFC, Atlas, Toronto. Like, Atlas had a down year. They also won the Mekis for the first time in a very long time and won it back-to-back. Yeah. And, and then you have two very good MLS teams. Toronto also on a really well. down year, but like historically <laughs> yeah. has, you know, in the last Can we decade, call Toronto it been good. very I, good? <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to see what they look like, right? Like, yeah. for me, that has the potential. If Atlas and Toronto come back up to where they had been recently, then that could be a really, like, a heavyweight group.
1: Huge questions about NYCFC too in terms of their roster they're kind of undergoing a major 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 tear down almost i would say um you yeah you you stole mine uh east three south three those nyc fc toronto fc atlas Cruz azul inter miami and atlanta united um but i'm really curious to see what the atmospheres look like in the in texas austin i think we know it's going to be great uh but dallas and houston those are not MLS teams that do very well attendance-wise, historically speaking. Uh, they bring in Mexican teams from time to time for friendlies, uh, both against the MLS team and for League MX versus League MX contests in some cases. Uh, and they usually draw pretty well for those games. We, we mentioned that neither of them have huge teams. Necaxa is in Dallas's group along with Charlotte. Um, Santos Laguna is in Houston's group. I think they'll they'll be well-supported for sure. In Houston. Um, But I'm curious to see what what those matches look like in terms of atmosphere. Um, Because maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can get a few more out to an MLS game in the aftermath of it. I think that's part of the hope here as well. Uh, Paul, any other thoughts on League's Cup? Anything else you got to get off your chest about this new tournament that's coming in a few months? We're only we're only a few months away, Paul, from League's Cup twenty twenty three.
2: No, I mean it's honestly like for me, it's a curiosity at this point. Like, and and I hope I hope for the best. Like to your point, Sam, I agree. Like the the rollout of League's Cup was wasn't wasn't great, wasn't enticing. This one is. Um, I'm just I'm very interested to watch the first version of it. I think it's gonna be like for any MLS fan, I think this is a, a, a competition worth watching on so many different levels because of the different types of measuring sticks, and I think because of the atmospheres. Like I, I, I really hope that we see some good atmospheres. I actually would love to see this tournament eventually expand to, to have games in Mexico too. Just yeah, that'd because be amazing. I think that, that really, really matters to, to improve MLS teams, to get these competitions. Like if you want it to feel like Libertadores, if you want it to feel important, it can't just all be in the U.S. It can't all be commercially driven. Like it has to have like some real sporting challenges. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe that's, and we'll get maybe some that's the atmosphere. realm of CCL. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely is the realm of CCL. But yeah. if they want this competition to eventually, and I think they do, to overtake it and to, you know, be more important and, and be or be as important, like they, they have to start to eventually they'll have to introduce i think that that level of of kind of sporting equality despite like the fact that they might take some commercial losses on it and for that i i, I would imagine that actually doesn't happen but
1: yeah you know well, uh forever is a long time so we'll see how it shakes out um, <laughs> paul there is at least one member of the current u.s men's national team roster who will be representing or currently represents at least a liga mx club more on that in the next segment
3: FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
1: Paul, League's Cup is not the only significant announcement that we had this week. The U.S. men's national team's January camp roster was also revealed. The U.S. MNT are playing against Colombia on January 28th. Excuse me, I got my my dates mixed up there. Serbia against January 25th, against Serbia on January 25th, and against Colombia on January 28th, both games in Southern California at Dignity Health Sports Park and Bank of California Stadium. That was, uh, that was difficult for me to get through. A real mouthful there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rusty. Uh, 24 players called up to this team, which will be coached by Anthony Hudson, World Cup assistant. Um, of course, the U.S. does not have a full-time head coach as of now uh, for a variety of reasons <laughs> that we've discussed
2: On previous shows. Uh, Paul, do you want to run down the roster? Do you want me to run down the roster? Yeah, I'll I'll jump in. I'll start off. Uh, I want to start by saying that this is um, January rosters are typically filled with domestic players. This is kind of a unique January roster. It's a record-breaking January roster. Just for the number of players who are not based in MLS, a lot of players who aren't getting playing time in Europe or who have just moved and are still integrating in, um, aren't playing significant first team minutes, have been released for this roster. And for that reason, I think it's one of the more intriguing um, interesting January camp rosters. Uh, with that said, I'll start with the goalkeepers. Uh, Roman Celentano from FC Cincinnati, Sean Johnson, unattached, yet to sign an MLS, atmosphere. one of the top MLS free agents, and Gaga Slonina, who we know was a Chicago Fire goalkeeper, moved to Chelsea in January. Not getting minutes right now at Chelsea, understandably so. He'll be at January camp. <laughs> Um, Can't def- believe he hasn't broken in yet, right? Uh, defenders: Jonathan Gomez, uh, formerly of Louisville City, I think started at FC Dallas Academy, moved to Louisville City, then moved to Real Sociedad. Um, he'll he'll be in camp, uh, a dual national. Julian Gressel recently became a U.S. citizen. This he is gets a cool an one. invite. That's a to, cool one, to national team camp. Dewan Jones, I think that's a guy who you really wanted to see in the U.S. camp, Sam. He's on the team. Aaron Long, the first World Cup <laughs> veteran that I've mentioned. Uh, with a new team, Sam, LAFC defender, yeah. Aaron Long, not New York yeah. Red Bulls. Uh, Jalen Neal, a U.S. under-20 national team center back, uh, made this team. Sam Rogers, who plays in uh, Norway with Rosenborg, a center back. John Tolkien, and that's one of the names I'm actually, I think, has a good chance to break into the full national team at left back. And Walker Zimmerman, a captain for the U.S. m t uh, during qualifying, a starter at the World Cup is on the roster as a defender as well. Sam, all let you do, the midfielders and the forwards. Okay, cool. So first midfielders,
1: Paxton Aronson,
2: now Eintracht Frankfurt
1: recently of Philadelphia union. If he plays in either of these games, the Aronsons would become the eighth brother duo. Obviously Paxton's older brother is Brendan to get us caps. Uh, Kellen Acosta of LAFC, Aid Morris of Columbus crew, uh, Intrigued by him. I think, you know, he had such a huge performance at MLS Cup 2020 and then did his ACL in 2021 and missed most, if not all, of that season. But a talented player, for sure. So interested to see if he's able to get a chance. Paxton PomaCall FC Dallas, just got a new contract as well. Alan Senora, unattached, has spent a lot of time down in Argentina. Paul, I know he's a guy that you're intrigued by. And Eric Williamson, a, a guy who who I think, you know, maybe would have been on the world cup roster had he not suffered a major injury shortly after the 2021 gold cup um, on the wing and up top Paul Areola making his return after not going to Qatar uh, good for him for being here. I'm a little bit surprised that he even accepted this invitation um, considering he didn't make the team and his age, but um, you know, I think obviously representing the U S means a lot to him. so it's cool to see him back in the fold, at least from an emotional perspective Cade Cowell, San Jose Earthquakes youngster. Jesus Ferreira, World Cup veteran. Matthew Hoppy. Will he bring his Greg Berhalter face t-shirt with him to this camp? Probably not. Um, but he of Gold Cup fame. It hasn't gone well for him on the club level since then. Uh, he's now at Middlesbrough. Not playing much there. They're comfortable releasing him. For this, Emmanuel Sabi from Odens. Probably not pronouncing that correctly. In Denmark, Brandon Vasquez. He's the one I really wanted in Qatar. And then Paul, the guy that I teased at the end of the last segment, Alejandro Zendejas of Club America, there's a whole saga there. He's actually played for the Mexico senior team twice, born in Juarez, grew up in El Paso, developed in the Dallas Academy, signed a homegrown deal with them many years ago at this point, but has spent almost all of his career in Mexico, in Liga MX and in the second division, and now doing well for America. Um, he was kind of a candidate to make the world cup team for Mexico, but FIFA kind of got involved. There was some controversy. There was some scrutiny applied to
2: FMF and you know, for now he's with the U S team. So I mean, he played illegally. He played illegally for Mexico. He never filed a one-time switch, which he was, which was necessary for him to play. And he wouldn't sign a one-time switch when it was presented to him to come into camp for some friendlies ahead of the world cup. And that essentially ruled him out of Tata Martino's world cup squad and now he's back in with the U.S. program, played at the Youth World Cup for the U.S., which is why was, that one was time in Bradenton wasn't in that um, program, alongside right. Christian so, Pulisic, I believe. Yeah, this will be his first appearance with the senior team. Definitely very intriguing to to see him here. And, you know, he's been very good. Um, he's a starter at Club America. They're actually letting him fly in the day before the, the first game. They're going to let him play in the first game um yeah and, he'll only be he'll only be there for the first game of the camp right and then he'll fly back so um i think that shows you know his interest the fact that he was able to 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 kind of work that process behind the scenes with glue america to be involved with this u.s team but look i mean after a world cup it's kind of hard to get excited about a january camp i think i still feel that way um however we know historically that january camps do provide windows into players who become national team regulars. And as Wa- I mentioned, Walker as we Zimmerman. went, yeah, Walker Zimmerman's won. Um, there have been a, a number of names, Graham yeah, Zucy, Matt Biesler, guys who came to Clint Dempsey's a January yeah. camp guy. I mean, so, you know, when I look at this roster again, I, I mentioned John Tolkien. I think he's got a legitimate chance to push his way into the picture. Jonathan Gomez as well. I left back. That's a position of need. Um, you know, Do we, do we think we'll see Aiden Morris, you you know, when you talk about the drop-off at the number six position behind Tyler Adams, it's a role that Kellen Acosta kind of filled, but that's not his natural spot. You know, is a guy like Aiden Morris, somebody who can grab a hold of that job. So there are reasons to, to, to kind of tune into this game, these games, Brandon Vasquez up top, you know, his first chance to play for the U S will he produce in January camp? Um, there, yeah, there's reasons to watch these games. It'll certainly be a different vibe than what we're used to with this US team that recently um just considering you know the 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 world cup was uh, only a couple months yeah. ago and then usually there's a little bit more <laughs> space between a world cup and january camp since they're usually played in the summers
1: a little bit of a come down definitely from the stakes of those matches to the stakes of these i think you took most of my guys that i'm interested to see for me number 1 is vasquez you know I, i've talked about this a lot on the show i've written about it pretty extensively i thought he should have been at the world cup For the U.S., I I saw he gave a quote to our buddy Michele Giannone at MLS Media Day. (laughs) I guess that was last week now. Um, Michele asked him what what he thought watching Mexico and the U.S. Vasquez, of course, is a dual national in Qatar. And um, he said, you know, I thought that they both could have used a number nine. And then he said, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh he was not, he was not kidding.
2: I'm like, <laughs> <you're not> wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and uh so I'm curious. Obviously, he's got the confidence, right? He's got he's got the attitude. He's coming off a really good year for Cincy. Uh so I'm curious to see what he does. It's not gonna be against top competition. Um, but even the non-A-teams for Serbia and Colombia have some talented players. So you know, I think that will be a, a slight test, if not the, the top test. So, curious to see. There's also kind of a weird dynamic here. There are a number of players on this team that are eligible for the U20 World Cup, which is just in a few months. There is a U20 camp that is going to be on, going on somewhat concurrently. That camp is going to be in Florida. This camp is obviously in, in California. Mikey Vares, U20 head coach, is going to be at the senior team camp.
2: And I don't, this is, it, it doesn't make sense to me, Paul. Does it make sense to you? No, I mean, it's a great opportunity. We talk about like, you talk about like national teams, they want to build a national team facility, right? And the and part of the idea and the reason why is to have these teams training together and moments like this, but you can do that in LA. You can, I mean, it's a little yeah. bit more complicated it's, because it's pre-season tougher during going MLS pre-season. on, it's MLS yeah. preseason and, and you know, the Galaxy facility has a lot of fields, but I I don't know if they could accommodate all of them with preseason going on and their academies and all of that. But, you know, if if that was the reason why it didn't happen, I think it showcases why a national team facility is important. Because in an ideal world, you bring these two teams to the same place, have them kind of mixing, not always in training or whatever, but just around each other, right? And yeah. and you give the the manager a chance to see all of his players and not a few of his players. At the and also, team. You, you give
1: that team a chance to – you give them reps, Yeah, right? They have limited time together, especially before, I believe, the U20 World Cup kicks off in May. So you want them to, to – kind of be able to build and you have guys like Paxton Aronson and Jalen Neal at this camp. And then you'll have other guys at the other camp doing their thing with the U twenties. And uh, I mean, I get why you want to bring some of the youngsters to the senior team. I understand that. Um, but at the same time, I, th- I feel like you're losing out a little bit and maybe you're not hurting it, but you're not optimizing your chances for what you can do at the U 20 world cup. In just a few months so that is less than ideal um but yeah apart from that uh we mentioned it there are seven non-mls players in this camp which is the most ever for a january camp um so i don't know i don't know if it's camp cupcake i don't know if, if there's other some other derogatory term <laughs> that that has been out there percolating for this one it's certainly not the full team um, but it's a little bit of a different flavor than a typical January camp. And I think it, I don't know, I'm more interested in this one than I was in like the MLS fitness pre-World Cup qualifying camp that they had a year ago in, in some bizarre way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are some interesting conundrums too. Like like you bring Sean Johnson in, who is a guy who is a veteran at the World Cup. And I, in my my opinion, if you're bringing Sean, like you probably should play him. But I would like to see Gagas like kids get some get a chance so maybe they split the two games Yeah, i mean there are two games um, you know but <laughs> uh i think it'll be interesting to see how they balance stuff like that you know and and you're right like when i saw paul ariel his name it reminded me of an interview i did with sasha question about getting cut from a world cup team and he talked about the same thing he got invited to the first friendlies right after the world cup that he got cut from um in 2010 and he talked about like having to get through that mentality of realizing like how close you were to a world cup roster and that you're right back into the next group. And it wasn't a January camp for him. It was friendlies in the fall with like basically yeah. the most of the team. Um, but he went and because he talked about the honor it is to play for your country and wanting to be right back into that mix. He, he so, was also
1: younger than Ariola is. Trip, at this so probably um,
2: he had a real shot in his mind. And sure. and he did, he got it. He got invited to the, to the pre-camp in 2014 as well, yeah. um, or was involved in that cycle for sure. So, um but yeah, I mean it, you know it, it does speak, I think, to Paul's character a little bit as well and what Absolutely. it means to him to, to play for the US. Well, Paul, um any
1: other thoughts? Any
2: anyone that you were
1: expecting to see that isn't on this list?
2: No, I, I had no I had Sam, I'll be honest, I had very few expectations around this January Camp roster. It wasn't keeping you up at night. No, it was not. It was wow. not. Well, that makes one of us. Uh I'm kidding.
1: Um, but I, I I do think there are some some interesting ones. I'm curious to see what Alan Senora looks like because I just haven't seen that much of him. He's one of those guys that is always tossed around it's like, oh, this guy's doing things, but like no one ever really watches more than just clips for All the right. most part. Could become but, an MLS soon. But Greg Berhalter shouted him out once or twice as, as a guy who was kind of on the radar. So um we'll see if he can he, he can make an impact or make an impression one way or another. Um Paul, I think that's it for me. Is that it for you? Are you that's good it for me? That's Are it for the free and clear. Um, Thank you all for listening. Um, And again, just want to end this episode the same way we closed it with our thoughts to Anton Walks and his family, his friends, his loved ones, uh, the Charlotte FC community, the MLS community. uh, It's a tragic, tragic loss. Life is short and precious. We only get one of these things. So go out there, uh, do your best to enjoy it in any way that you can. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Allocation Disorder.